Good, let me pray for Adam as he comes to share the words from Ephesians. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd be with Adam. Father, just use him right now as the best for your work. Holy Spirit, just fill him afresh right now that all you want him to say, he will speak with authority directly from your words, we pray. In your holy name. Amen. 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 Amen, amen. Am I on? No. I'm not on. Can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, I never thought I'd hear that. Somebody falling asleep in one of Jesus' breaches. <laughs> that is a miracle right there. Wow, tremendous. And how many people have we got coming to the baptisms? We have baptisms. Sorry, to be baptised. Yes. Seven. Seven. So we're going to have lots of visitors. Okay, so we just need to factor that in in terms of food, don't we? Afterwards, if they stay. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, that's wonderful. Seven. Oh, I do like a baptism. Brilliant. Right, well, welcome. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? You all right? Yeah? Good, 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 good. It's nice to see some smiles, at least at the beginning of the preach. You're smiling then. Fantastic. I'm falling asleep. Yeah, because... <laughs> okay, can I ask you please to open your Bibles at Ephesians chapter 1, if you have them with you. <clears throat> and we're going to read verses 3 to 14. Now, this will be the third week on the, the trot that we have read these verses. I make no apology for that. This is packed with truth, and it's really good for us to hear the Word of God spoken over us on a regular basis, okay? So uh, let's read it together. This is obviously Paul writing, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Wonderful. Okay. Well, look, this morning, obviously we've been looking, haven't we, through the remarkable blessings that are listed in that, haven't we? And we've seen that they are extraordinary, phenomenal blessings that we, who are not holy, should be regarded by God as holy, is is extraordinary. It's absolutely remarkable that you should be chosen from before the foundation of the earth. He took a look at you and said, I'm choosing you, I'm bringing you in. It's remarkable that you should be given an inheritance. You've done nothing for that inheritance, yet God has decided, no, I guarantee it's coming your way. Phenomenal, phenomenal. This morning, 
I would like us, though, to focus in on just one verse. And I'd like us to look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now that is a wonderful verse as well, isn't it? And you don't really have to have a full understanding of it to know that God's just said, well, you've got the lot. You know when you join an organisation and they say, well, welcome, welcome to our organisation. Here is the starter pack. You get the starter pack, and when you pass the test, or you've been with us for a few years, or whether you paid the full you know, subscription, then you get the full lot. That's not the case with God. When you came and said, oh, yes, I'm brand new, God said, great, you get the lot. Great that Gary, actually, that you talked about the prodigal son, that we see that modelled in the prodigal son. That this son who is dead and far away, completely disinterested, comes back with nothing, and the father says, I am going to pour everything on you. You get the robe, you get the, the shoes for your feet, you get the ring on your finger, you get the fatted calf, you get the party. Drove the older brother bonkers, didn't it? But he got a lot. It's outrageous. It is outrageous. Yet, yeah, that's what we see. So it's a wonderful verse. I think that's what we see. We get everything. However, with this verse, I think there are some things we just need to ask. You know, when you read your Bible, it's good to interrogate it. I hope you do that when you read your Bible. You just don't read it and just say, that's nice. I hope you ask the questions, what does this mean? And when I look at this verse, there are three areas in that verse that immediately say to me, what does this mean? So the first thing I would look at that, I say, well, what does it mean by every spiritual blessing? So the, the blessings that we've looked in, in verses 3 to 14 that I've just, you know, we listed, is that it? Or is there more? Because God said every blessing. I would really like to know what the full package is. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Yeah. What blessings are going to come your way? What can you reasonably expect if you are in Christ? So I think we need to unpack every. What does that mean? The other thing we need to look is ask the question, why are these spiritual blessings? What does that mean? I mean, you know, bluntly, the subject of that is, do they work here on earth? Are they relevant to me right now? Or is this something I'm going to have to wait for, for the future? What does it mean, spiritual blessing? Why does he use that word so particularly? And then lastly, we have to just say, heavenly places. What does that mean? We know that Paul was very excited when he was writing this, this passage. Do you remember that? And he didn't put much... Uh, uh, punctuation in and he's just sort of breathless with, excited, with excitement and he's worshipping God as he's going through this verse oh it's not all great so is this heavenly places just a, like a poetic thing is this Paul excited or does that mean something yeah. heavenly places ok so that's where I'm going today I'd like to look at those three areas and I think you'll see it's important that we understand them Okay, so where are we going to start? We're going to start with this word. We're going to look at this. What does it mean by spiritual blessings? 
Now, uh, both Martin Lloyd-Jones and John Stott, two great men of the last century, two mighty, mighty preachers, um, agree. It's so good when great men agree. It's really helpful to me. <clears throat> and they would say, this word spiritual has been included by the, by the apostle intentionally. It's very deliberately put in there. It's meant to show us something. And what it's showing us is this, is that the blessings that we receive under the new covenant in Christ are very different, distinctly different, from the blessings that, we that the believers received under the old covenant. There is a difference between the blessings of the old and the blessings of the new. The uh, blessings that received under the old covenant that God poured out were mainly, if you look at them, material. They were physical. They were tangible. They were of the earth. They were in the now. Things that I can touch and see and understand right now. I can see them. And uh, let's take a quick look at that. So this is where God lists his blessings under the old covenant in Deuteronomy 28. You might be familiar with that chapter. This is where God says to people, if you follow me, I'll bless you, but if you don't follow me, I will curse you. Yeah. You familiar with that? Yeah. It's an important chapter. And this is what it says. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Wow, that sounds great, doesn't it? Being overtaken by the blessings of God. And they will overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle. And the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. And then he goes on to say, I'll bless your nation too. I will uh, cause you... Uh, to be um, a nation that never has to borrow, but often will give to other nations. And if anyone tries to attack you, their attack will fail. So do you see what I mean? Very tangible. God says, I'm going to bless your businesses. I'm going to bless your family. I'm going to bless your kids. I'm going to bless your eating. You know, that practical, tangible things. A good example of that would be Jacob. Remember Jacob, when he falls out with his brother Esau, because he steals, he's not, not terribly good start, is it, for Jacob, he steals his brother's birthright. So his brother wants to kill him, so he runs off, and he ends up at his uncle Laban's farm. Do you remember the story? Yes. And uh, although he has this very difficult start, God blesses him, we are told, and he ends up personally with lots of sheep and goats, flocks, herds, he has lots of wives, lots of kids, lots of material wealth, and he considers himself blessed by God. In fact, at one point, God even shows him how to materially do well. Do you remember that in the story? He says to him, look, if you do this with the sheep, these are the ones that are going to give birth, and you'll do well, and I'm going to cause them to go into your flocks. God blessed him materially. That's what it looked like, blessings under the old covenant. The New Testament, however, has a very different take on it. Totally different emphasis. Ephesians now tells us 
that the blessings we received are spiritual. Different covenant, different set of blessings. Even a different way in which they come. You notice that? You see, we are now a people with a different capacity. When you became a Christian, you were born again. You were given a heart of flesh. You know that phrase? Heart of flesh. You were regenerated. The Holy Spirit now lives in you. That did not happen under the old covenant. It does under the new. And that's the one we're in, if you're a believer. So God is able to bless his people differently because we're a different type of person with a different heart to the old. So the Israelites went to God as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. But they still had hearts of stone. Now question, if you're God, how do you bless the people that have got a heart of stone? How do you do that? Well, we've seen how he's done it, with blessings and curses. In fact, that's how companies do it today. They give you an incentive. You know, it's the carrot and the stick, isn't it? They give you incentives and threats. Who's worked in a company where they've offered incentives? Yeah, I have. Incentives and threats. With family life, it's a bit like that. You would probably say to your children, if you behave well, I'm going to give you some sweeties. And they look at you, don't they? Oh, yes, lovely. And then you say, but if you behave badly, you're going to get some time on the step or whatever punishment you hand out. And they go, oh, dear. That's how it works. Heart of stone. Actually, there's a lot of self-interest here. What God is saying is, I will bless you. So that you look at it and say, oh, well, that's worth my while. It's worth my while to follow God. Because I don't want the cursing, but I do want the blessing. Do you see how God is appealing to people to say, this is how I'll bless you. We now, under the new covenant, come to God on a different basis. We come to God as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, don't we? Come through Christ. We are in Christ. We have been made new creations. We have been given a new heart. When um, Spurgeon was preaching about a new heart, he said, what it means, he said, this is the word he used, is a tenderness. Tenderness. God has put a tenderness in you towards him. It means you're able to know him intimately. You're able to love him with a passion. He loved us, so we now love him. This new heart enables you to do that. We relate to God in a different way. Through a new and living way, Hebrews tells us. It's a new thing. And we're falling in love with the God who's been loving us. God doesn't now just have to appeal to us on a material basis to get us to obey him. Now we have a heart that just says, Jesus, I love you. That's why I follow you. I'm not doing it for what I can get in terms of material blessings. I'm doing it because I'm passionate for you. Do you see what I mean? Different covenant, different capacity, different way God blesses. Now, I know what you're all thinking. You're all thinking, hang on a minute. 
I quite like a bit of material blessing. <laughs> I don't blame you. And I don't think it means that God now doesn't bless us materially. You know, we don't have to live like monks. You just look around you. Has God blessed you? Yeah. Materially? Yes, he has. We're told, aren't we? Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these material things, they'll get added to you. Peter says this, he says, God's given you everything you need for life and godliness. Everything you need, materially, God provides. I hope you've discovered that. I hope you know God's provision in your life. So God does give to us and he blesses us materially, but now it just isn't the main focus for believers anymore. Not with a kingdom mindset. If you have a kingdom mindset, it is about the king and his kingdom, not about how much money I get. It's a different mindset. Let me just put it like this as well. If you're thinking, well, I still like material blessings over the spiritual. Material blessings are nice, aren't they? Who likes a new car? Who likes a bigger house? Who likes a a pay rise? My dad, bless him, used to say, he, he said, if something unexpected, like a little thing would come through the door, he said, we'd be given a little bomboosh. That's his word. And he said, oh, if he get, gave something, he'd say, I've given her a little bomboosh. It's his favourite word. Love the word. It's a lovely phrase. We all like a little bomboosh coming our way, don't we? <clears throat> but material blessings are temporary. They're nice in the moment, but they will only last a certain amount of time, and then they will go. You know the old phrase, you can't take it with you? Can't take the money with you, can you, when you die? Somebody else is going to get it then. Spiritual blessings are eternal. When God blesses you with a spiritual blessing, you can take it with you. It lasts eternally. You will never stop being chosen. You'll never stop being holy and blameless in his sight. It's an eternal blessing. Not a temporary material blessing. Do you see how superior the blessings of the New Testament are, the New Covenant rather, are to the Old? Infinitely. We're told that the New Covenant is superior in every way to the Old. Just take a look at the blessings. Eternal blessings that get you right with God. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I was impressed when I saw that anyway. (laughs) The trouble is, is we like it here and now. Actually, don't we? I like it because we're here now. I like blessings that I can touch and have and eat and, in my case, definitely eat. Or, you know, or whatever. That's why the Gospels encourage us to have an eternal mindset. Do you remember the, um, do you remember the uh, parable Jesus told about the farmer and his barns? Do you remember he told this parable and this farmer builds big barns and then he just rips them down in order to make new ones. In other words, his focus was very much on the success of his business here on the earth. And God says, you fool, do not build up for yourself treasure on earth where uh, rust and moth can destroy, build up for yourself treasure in heaven where it can't be destroyed. So you see what I mean? He's saying, look, 
I know what you're like. I know that you like it here and now, so I'm teaching you how to have an eternal mindset. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. How to have an... Has anyone ever seen the, um, the video of the little girl with the chocolate in front of her? Do you know the one I mean? You, I bet you will have seen it. I think it's, it's a little girl, she must be about five or six, and uh, she's with her mum, and uh, the mum sits her down at a table, and here is this plate with a single piece of her favourite chocolate on it, and it's put under her nose. If you don't eat this for one minute, I will give you this whole big bar. She holds up the bar. And the little girl's like, oh yes, I like, I like that, I like that big bar. So she said, okay, so you're ready, one minute, click. And this little girl's trying not to look at it. No, no, she catches sight of it, she thinks, oh no. Then she starts to move the plates around. And then she starts to move the chocolate around on the plate. Then after about 20 seconds, she can't stand it anymore. Oh, it's gone. Well, we're like that. That's our mentality. We want it here and now. So sometimes we don't understand the value of the blessings that we've been given compared to material blessings. Lloyd-Jones said this. We are face to face with a very important New Testament principle. The Christian faith is frankly and openly otherworldly. I put it like this because I know that it's unpopular today. Well, he was speaking in 1954, and I don't think, think much has changed since then. We want it here and now, but this scripture tells us blessings are in the heavenly places. Okay, let's move on. Let's have a look at this phrase, heavenly places. Why are the blessings we are given located so specifically in heavenly places? Well, this term, heavenly places, is referred to five times throughout the letter to the Ephesians. And uh, here's the list. Can you read that? It's a bit small. And I'm just going to read them to you because I think it will help us understand what is meant by the term, in this, in this uh, reference anyway, to heavenly places. I'm not going to read the first one because we've already read it. So Ephesians 1.20 says this, The Father's power worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Ephesians 2 says this, And God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 3, sorry, Ephesians 3 so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And then the last one, the most famous one. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, I think what these verses do, when you, you look at the references, it's almost like a sub-theme, isn't it? Heavenly places within the, the letter to Ephesians. What, what this is doing is showing us, as far as God is concerned, this is where the action is. The heavenly places. That's where the real stuff is going on. Far more so than on earth. This is where we're called to, to fight, to wrestle in the heavenly places. 
And importantly, what we see from the second one here is this is where Jesus now is. He is in the heavenly places. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father in his glorified body. Yeah? That's where he is. Third one says this. You, when you became a Christian, were placed in Christ. In the heavenly places. That's where you are. It's teaching us that as Christians, we're in the most extraordinary position. We are, as Christians, we are in two places at the same time. Did you know that? Did you know you had that ability to be in two places at the same time? Not something that happened under the old, certainly does happen under the new covenant. What it means is that right now, Christians, you are in heaven. Did you know that? Right now, you are in the heavenly places because you are in Christ and that's where he is. Takes a bit of getting your head around and stuff, doesn't it? In a sense, you are both a natural person and a spiritual person at the same time. We live here on earth, don't we? We we have to get jobs, we have to find a house, we have to collect the kids from school, we have to, you know, eat, we have to clothe ourselves. All the normal stuff of life we have to do, don't we, here on earth. So in that sense, we're a natural person. But when you became a Christian, you became a spiritual person as well. Suddenly, major changes happen to you. Your identity changes. Your citizenship changes. Now you belong somewhere else and you have been relocated. You don't just have one dimension, earth dimension. You have two. You now sit in the heavenly places right now. So in that sense, you you are as saved and as secure as the people who have died and gone to glory. We're probably not as happy, to be fair. But we are just as secure because that's now where we are in Christ. It's very strange. It is a bit strange, it's a bit weird, isn't it? But, but it's glorious. We are now travellers, we are told, through a foreign land. I remember when I became a Christian around about the age of 15, 16, 17, something like that. And it was fairly new for me at that time. And I, I got on my bicycle and I was cycling around the village that I'd grown up in. Lived in this village all my life. Knew this village really, really well. It was my home, it's where I grew up. And I'm cycling around this village and I stopped for a bit and I'm hit by a sudden realization. I don't belong here anymore. This is not my true home anymore. It just whacked me. I thought, what? Yeah, no, I know that, I see that. I belong somewhere else. And now, now I'm a foreigner in my own village. Cycling around thinking, don't belong here. This is not my true home anymore. I wonder whether this is one of those key issues for us to decide. I wonder whether a conscious decision is needed by all of us. 
Which one of these two identities, these two existences, is in fact the priority for you? Is it heaven or is it earth? Now you'll be able to answer that by saying to yourself, where do I put my primary energy? Where do I put my time, my effort? I think this question, how do you see yourself as a natural person or a spiritual person at heart is a really important one. Yeah. It will dictate how you live your life. It'll dictate what you worry about. It'll dictate what your disappointments are rooted in. And as I say, it'll dictate where you spend your money and put your time and your energy. Let me ask you this question. Does your thinking need to catch up with your spiritual reality? Do you think like an unsaved person, even though you are saved? Do you think of yourself as a spiritual person who lives in a worldly environment? Or do you think of yourself as a natural person who's got some spiritual interests? Which one? I've got to say, as I was preparing, I think this is a really, really important thing for us to decide. Yeah, yeah. You know, God loves, he comes and he shapes his church with scripture, with the truth. As I was putting this together, I thought, I think God wants to shape us this morning yeah. by asking us this question. Who are you? Are you spiritual? Or are you natural? Yeah. Where is your priority? Because the truth is, if you are born again, you are spiritual. Yeah. But you may not have faced the reality of that. Is this making sense? Yeah. With me? Okay, good. As far as God is concerned, he blesses us in the heavenly places. That's what the scripture tell us, tells us. Why? Because it's his priority. It's as far as he is concerned, that's where the real value is. That's who we truly are now. And that's where a eternity will be spent with him. Yeah. Lloyd-Jones says this, The Christian's relationship to the world is this. He realises that it is God's world and that he can enjoy it. And all that has given, God has given in it and through it. But he never sets his affections on it. Let me read that again. The Christian's relationship to the world is this. He realises that it is God's world and he can enjoy it. And all that God has given in it and through it. But he never sets his affections upon it. Do you see? We're in the world, but we're not of the world. These are quite hard concepts to grasp. The Bible is asking us to get our head around some big stuff. How can we live in the world but not be of it? I mean, that's a good you know, question to noodle around with your friends. How do we do that? What does that look like? Does it feel like that to us? Well, that's what the scriptures are telling us. Yeah. Last area I'd like to look at then is we wanted to look at this question. What do we mean by every spiritual blessing? And we looked, didn't we, at all these blessings uh, that were listed in 3 to 14. I think we agreed they were all amazing. But is that everything or is there more? Well, Lloyd-Jones, again, would be very clear on this. And he would say, absolutely no. That is not the, 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 
but all of it. And he would say, it starts, the, the blessings of God start at salvation, and indeed the preamble to salvation. That's where we start. And then it says, he, it goes on to, the, to, to enable us to enjoy the fullness of God. The fullness of the Godhead. This is what Paul says in um, chapter 3. He says his desire is that we are filled with all the fullness of God. Can you imagine being filled to all the fullness of God? What is that? How does that work? I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm grappling here for what? Does, but that is God, God's desire. That's where the blessings start, and that's where they end. We're reading about some of the awesome foundational ones here, but blessings carry on. God is, of course, limitless, isn't he? Therefore, we can say that God's riches and blessings know no end. David, King David in the Psalms said that God's glory, uh, goodness and mercy, his blessings, would follow him all the days of his life. Blessings every day. Every day, God is knocking on your door. Blessings on you. To be a Christian means this, that you have been blessed by God. Awesomely, deeply, profoundly, eternally, you have received the blessings of God. They have been poured on your head and they will keep running after you every day. Every day. Every day. That's the heart of our God. To bless you. He's come to bless humanity. In love he predestined us. To be led right into all these blessings. That's what God is like. If you're a believer today. You are blessed beyond your understanding. And there's loads more to come. We can know his blessing today. We can know his blessings every day. And then we can know his blessings on into eternity. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I hope that gives you a little bit of insight into some of these phrases. Do you see why it's important for us to unpack the scriptures? We must understand what it's talking about. And then we find out how good it is. (laughs) Just want to end by saying this. um, If you don't know Jesus Christ today, if you've no real relationship with him, and you haven't received these blessings, I want to challenge you today. Please get to know him. Because he's so good. Just come and ask so many people here, and they will tell you, yeah, God is good. He is a God who wants to do you good. My challenge for you is this. If you don't know him, get yourself into a room and pray and say, God, if you are real, please will you reveal yourself to me in a way that I can understand. I've known people do that and God has answered in the most remarkable ways. Failing that, if you'd like to have a conversation with me about what it means to be a Christian, love to talk to you. I know Jeeves would as well. Please come and do that. Let's pray together and then we'll close.
Lord, I thank you that you are such an amazing God. I thank you that you're the God who seeks to bless and do good. I thank you that you've put us in heavenly places. We, I think we didn't even realise, but you have. And Lord, we just thank you that you are a God who uh, wants to do all humanity good. So Lord, we just ask you that there would be a new sense of gratitude in our heart, a new sense of realisation, uh, Father, that we are spiritual people. We are uh, not making our home here, but Lord, that we are full of um, joy because of what you have done. Yes. Lord, I just ask you to help us with the reality of living on the earth, but Lord, having a home elsewhere. Yes. That is odd, Lord. Please help us to grasp these things and to let them sink deep into us. Jesus, we love you, and we want to get to know you even more as the, as the days go on. So thank you, Father, for your goodness. Amen. Amen.